Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dismantling You podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Pineda. This week, I'm talking with Andrew Jordan Nance. Andrew has been an educator since 1990, and he is the founder of Mindful Arts San Francisco, where the mission is to provide mindfulness instruction to youth at underserved San Francisco schools. He is also the author of four mindfulness books, including the wildly popular Puppy Mind. Andrew is also the recipient of the Points of Light Award, a national honor recognizing his volunteer efforts to bring mindfulness to youth. This episode is sponsored by Costa Rica Surf Trip. They are my partners for my annual yoga, surf, and golf retreat in February 20, 2022. So if you are new to the podcast, be sure to subscribe to be notified when new episodes release and don't forget to leave a review. The more reviews and shares that we get, the more people we can reach and you never know when an episode can impact someone's life. Stay tuned now for my conversation with Andrew. Andrew, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on with me today. I'm so excited to have a mindfulness expert on my podcast, especially focusing on helping children. Uh, So welcome, Andrew. Thank you for having me. So, you know, I've got so many questions and I'm going to dive right into it. But before we get into it, I'd love for my audience to just get familiar and find out a little bit more of your background. You've got such a colorful background, and I want you to share that with my audience. Okay, sure. So my background is in theater. I studied at New York University, and I uh, just learned so much about theater and my own uh, my own ways of connecting with emotions. And I went on to run a theater school and have a acting career in San Francisco, did a lot of plays, one man shows. I directed a bunch of shows and won some awards. And uh, around 18 years into that uh, job, I uh, decided to leave. Uh, I gave them six months because my mom had just passed. And, you know, I think a lot of your view, or your listeners know that that's a time of real reflection. And so I really felt like I needed a new chapter. And I, I started looking at ways to, you know, have that new chapter. I took a course in the science of well-being and learned all about um, the flow state, that ability to be in a state where time and space are gone and you're just connected to uh, whatever you're doing fully. And then I started learning about mindfulness a little bit in that course. And then I had this light bulb moment in that year where I realized that mindfulness training and theater training were very similar. Both invite the participant to be really present, really connect with our emotions and our 
and our minds and our bodies and what's happening around us, uh, what's happening with you, you know, my scene partner. Um, so we can really fully be there and commit to the present moment. And that is mindfulness uh, as well. The only difference is that mindfulness, we want to respond wisely to situations, right? You and I don't want to get into some screaming match or, you know, throw things or anything like that. Um, but on stage, it's pretty exciting when those things happen. So we want to be as reactionary as possible on stage, whereas in life, we want to be a little bit more measured. So so that's that's sort of how I began this journey to run this um, this program called Mindful Art San Francisco. And I, I went in and I started um, teaching uh, a curriculum called Mindful Schools Curriculum. And they're an online resource. So if you're interested in mindfulness, you can take a class anywhere in the world. And I started using their curriculum. And about six months in, I ran out of curriculum because I was going in twice a week and just started uh, playing mindful theater games with the kids. And they loved it. You know, it just really lit them up. And you got and they got to be moving around. You know, I think a lot of times we think of mindfulness and we think of a cushion, right? We're sitting on a on a cushion meditating and it has to be this perfect environment with candles going and chimes and whatnot. And that's actually, I think, a real setup for failure because life doesn't have chimes and always, right? You know? Um, And so what I wanted to do was sort of put mindfulness in action. So let's get up on our feet and still be mindful, um, And, um, and, you know, and not worry about things, conditions needing to be perfect all the time, because of course, life is not uh, perfect. (laughs) It's imperfect. It's perfect in its imperfections, you know? So uh, anyway, I don't want to go on and on, but so that's what I did was I started playing these theater games. Then I started writing uh, stories for the kids and I would just read them. Uh, out loud and they seemed to like them. And right away, one of the teachers I was working set with said, these are really good. You should submit them to a publisher. I had a friend who knew a publisher. And then fast forward, you know, I have four books out now through various publishers and um, it's part of my curriculum now. In fact, I wrote a whole curriculum using theater and storytelling and art activities to convey the principles, because I really want the kids that we work with pre-K through fifth to show up uh, really excited to see us, you know, uh, r- rather than, oh, boy, we have to close. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, that is just brilliant, especially with today's mental health being such a hot topic, you know, what has the response been like among the kids? Uh, Because you you seem like you bring it to life. And, you know, uh, mindfulness is a hard topic for children to wrap their heads around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they love it. And in fact, I was a little worried about going back into the classroom. I had been teaching virtually for a year and a half, and I just went back into the classroom last week. And they were so excited. They were 
you know, they were like, do you have the books and where are the, you know, where's the puppy? Because I bring in a puppy um, every class, a a stuffed animal puppy. And I say, all right, looks like on the, I have a list and I follow it. And I say, all right, looks like, you know, Amanda is the puppy sitter today. And I remind her that, okay, Amanda, the puppy's just going to sleep in your lap. And if you notice that the puppy is playing with your neighbor or on your head or on your shoulder, or you're throwing it up in the air, you know that your puppy mind has wandered off. So what you're going to do, you're going to take a deep breath. You're going to maybe wiggle your toes and you're going to see if that puppy can fall back to sleep on your lap. So the puppy, I wrote this book called Puppy Mind, is a great representation of that wandering, playful mind we all have. We don't want to get rid of it, right? We want to be able to wander off to the beach or to our favorite television show or whatever, but we don't want it just pulling us away without our permission. So I'll ask them, you know, I'll ask the kids, so where does your mind wander without your permission? What happy place does your mind wander? I like to remember to put in happy because, you know, we're all dealing with stuff a lot of the time. And I, I don't want to open up a Pandora's box. Of course. In a classroom setting where, where I'm only working with the kids for half an hour. But anyway, uh, they'll all say something um, to the effect of my grandmother's house, video games, uh, my birthday party coming up this weekend or Halloween or, you know, whatever. They do get that they all have this wandering daydreaming mind and they can wake up enough to notice that they've been pulled away and they can use their breath um, to come back to the present moment. So, um, so they really get it. I mean, I have so many stories of kids that, uh, you know, will come up to me and say, boy, my puppy mind has really been active today. And I'm like, well, that's fantastic. Congratulations. You're noticing it. Some of us don't notice that we're just always living in the future. So they're, so they're mostly really into it. Of course, there's always kids that are having trouble, um, you know, or just, you know, just aren't willing to go inward enough to notice um, you know, so I think, I think a lot of people in general, uh, want to just blame their outside circumstances for their internal state of being. And, you know, as we know, as grownups, you and I, we know that, you know what, a lot of our own happiness and well-being comes from taking care of our internal lives. Um, exactly. And, yeah. You know, and of course there's, big tragedies that really want to upset the the apple cart. Uh, But, you know, the more tools we have, the less out of balance we feel when the big stuff happens. So important for children. And I love the way that uh, you said that you're helping them, you know, to tap into these tools that they already had, such as breath work. So, Maybe you could dive a little bit deeper about um, the tools. I know that you had mentioned about the puppy tool, right. um, but but also the breath work you incorporated. Tell us a little bit more about your strategies. Yeah. So before I even uh, start the class, uh, I might say, all right, everyone, put your fingers together. So we, we, we put our fingers together and we just, just do something called breathing ball breath. And we might do it five times, maybe as many as 10 times. And we'll just breathe together making our hands sort of look like a, a big ball. And I, I try to keep my fingers touching, 
Although sometimes I might make the ball bigger and, and, you know, do some, you know, uh, bring my hands farther away from each other and then back and then out. So, so there's that, uh, there's quiet coyote breathing. Uh, a lot of times teachers do quiet coyote in the classroom where they put up their hands and have their, uh, pointer finger and their pinky pinky finger sticking up and to kind of look like a coyote. And they just stand there with their, um, finger over their mouths, waiting for the kids to be quiet. But I always think that's a great opportunity to take a breath, right? You know, because typically all of us, most of the time are in some state, they call it arousal, where fight, flight, or freeze is happening. And what I love about mindfulness is it sort of wakes up this prefrontal cortex of ours above our eyebrows. Um, so that we can think more clearly and the amygdala actually can shrink with mindfulness. So we're not as reactionary as we used to be. Um, I think about who I was just, you know, two, three years ago, and I'm so much less reactionary uh, than, than before. It's really remarkable. Um, but it is, it is something we have to practice daily in order to get better at it. Yes. And, and especially children, like how long do you recommend that, like you said, they don't have to practice it to like sit on a cushion. It, it, that's not necessary. And like be in a dark you know, room, it doesn't have to be like that. It's, you know, um, just focusing on their breath and focusing on the moment and using that as a tool to ground themselves. Can you explain to us, I know that you had mentioned um, in other interviews about there are no bad emotions. Right. Yes. Oh, I love, I love that you bring that up. Yeah. You know, so many of us say, oh, you know, there's these negative emotions and then there's these positive emotions. And it just breaks my heart to, to hear that because anger said this before, anger in a dark alley is a fantastic emotion to have, right? You want to protect yourself. Anger in an abusive relationship is a really good thing to have if that person is saying something terrible to you for the thousandth time or, or, or doing something terrible to you for the thousandth time, you know, enough is enough. Um, So, So, yeah, we really have to kind of pull back on that languaging. I think emotions can be big. I think they can be uncomfortable. Uh, I think they can be difficult because we don't know how to manage them. But the body is always trying to deal with uncomfortability. It wants to be comfortable. So it wants to expel that uncomfortability. So when we're angry, we yell, when we have a cold, we sneeze, when we're sad, we cry, when we're, when we think something's funny, which kind of makes us uncomfortable, we laugh. Uh, When we have a fever, we sweat. I mean, just anytime, if you think about all the things that make us uncomfortable, that make the human body uncomfortable, we get rid of it. And in mindfulness, we actually want to turn towards the uncomfortability um, because it doesn't make it as scary any longer. So when we're angry, rather than, you know, um, just try to get it out right away, like, you know, like a, like you're sick or something, you're, you're throwing it up, if you will. Um, we want to turn towards it. There's a nice uh, technique called stop, stop your body 
try and breathe or take a breath, observe your feelings, and then peacefully proceed so that mm. and peacefully proceed, really. So and yeah, and it's, it's really about learning that uh, tool is when I'm feeling an uncomfortable emotion in my body, I just try to stop, notice what's going on, um, take a breath. And then sometimes even just jumping up and down, you know, um, you know, like something maybe happened on the street. Like I used to have a dog and, and sometimes, you know, my dog would get into it with other dogs. So I would take a breath and I would just go to jump up and down and it's very much an acting technique before you go on stage, you kind of jump up and down and you kind of get the, the wiggles out and kind of just, yes. you know, not feel hijacked by your emotions. Um, so that was a really clever, uh, um, a, a helpful technique for me to, to do. So, so that's one of the techniques I suggest with the kids as well is just to stop, notice what's going on. Uh, one thing I, I really like doing is just doing a body scan with kids. Like uh, I I'll see a kid in the hallway and I'll, I'll say, Whoa, you looks like you're having a, this happened just four days ago. A girl was having this moment in the hallway, you know, she was, her arms were crossed and her shoulders were up and she looked very clenched. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And I said, um, you know, it looks like you're having a big emotion. Do you feel hot or cold right now? And she said, Oh, I feel hot. And I said, great. And then I said, um, are your shoulders up or down? And she said, they're up. And is your belly tight or relaxed? And she said, tight. And I said, is your heart beating fast or slow? And she said, fast. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm congratulating her the whole time, like fantastic, perfect. Um, is your mind busy or still? And, um, and uh, she'd say busy. And I say, do you think you can wiggle your toes right now? And uh, I think at first she said, no, she didn't think she could wiggle her toes, which is to me is a good sign that she's not able to think clearly, right? If she exactly. can't, if she can't even wiggle her toes, she's still in it. So we did a couple more things. I said, are your fists tight or, or relaxed? And she said, they're tight. And so we did a couple more. And then I said, now do you think you can wiggle your toes? And she was up for it and her toes wiggled and she made, she had this big smile come over her, her face. And I said, fantastic. Good for you. And then I said, do you think you're ready to go back into class? And she nodded her head and she went in. No big deal. I didn't open the door for her or nothing. She just walked right in. Um, and so all I did was validate her experience. I didn't say, oh, come on. You know, I'm sure whatever happened wasn't a big deal or, you know, or, well, did you, you know, sometimes teachers will say that, well, what did you do to start mm -hmm. that? Or what did you do to be part of that situation? You know, like you try to get to the story too quickly and you wind up <clears throat> just having them get defensive because we all want to be the heroes of our own lives, right? We all want to say, well, no, they were 100% wrong. You know, you talk to any friend and they tell you why they why that relationship didn't work. I'm not going to say I was a total idiot and a jerk and I wouldn't want to be with me. You know, they're going to say, well, he did this thing or she did this thing. And, you know, it's just how we work. So, it, you know, and, and that that's fine and everything, but um, it's not where the real healing begins. You know, 
what happened for her is her body hijacked her. So I'm, I tried to get her out of that hijack situation and it, and it worked that time. And most of the times it does work. So I highly recommend that for a kid in your life, but also for yourself. Um, when you just are so wound up that you can't think clearly. Exactly. Such a powerful move. And I love the fact that you shared that example with us about your student. You know, I know we touched a little bit upon it, but what was the catalyst? Uh, You have so many publications out there. And tell us a little bit about what got you started to write The Puppy Mind and the other publications that you have out there. Well, I had... I had found a children's book at a, you know, a, like a, a meditation retreat center, really good bookstore, tons of books. <clears throat> and um, I thought, all right, well, they've got to be pretty good. So I picked out one and I brought it into the classroom and I read it and it was about a boat. And I it just, for some reason, it just did not resonate with the kids. It didn't really resonate with me. It's not something like I'd like to pick up again and again. Um And uh, so I thought, you know, there's got to be better books out there. So I went home and I just wrote Uh, and I I sat down on my dining room table right over there and I wrote like four books. And one of them was Puppy Mind. One was Stop and Breathe, in fact, uh, which is about that stop method. And then I think one was maybe The Lion in Me, which is about anger and how to name and tame that inner beast. And basically that book's about, um, you know, how the body just has has its own experience and it tries to take over the mind. Um, So it's a really helpful way for kids to realize, oh, I have the same experience as this kid when I get angry. And here are some tools on how to deescalate my own body's responses to outside stimuli. So so that's that's basically how it got started. I went in and read the book Puppy Mind to the kids and the teacher liked it. And um, it just sort of evolved really quickly. It was it's talk about being in the flow state. Boy, I felt like for the next two years at least, and I kind of still feel like I'm in it, um, you know, just things aligned, you know, people showed up right when they needed to be. Um, and I showed up right where I needed to be, you know, it's, you know, preparation meets opportunity. And, um, you know, and I have a good network of, of friends, you know, I'm 56. So I know a lot of people I grew up in this area. Um, I'm on a few different boards now. And so I knew some, some people, you know, if I, I highly recommend, you know, really just making friends yeah. <laughs> as, as you as you go through this life is just keep connecting because you never know um, when that person is going to do you, do you right. You know? Sure. True. What is your self-care routine like these days? It's so funny. I thought you were going to ask me that and I don't know why Uh, I uh, do a few things. I swim in San Francisco Bay uh, about three days a week and it talk about, knowing that you can do hard things or remembering t- that you can do hard things. Every time I, I jump in the water or even put my toe in the water, I think, Oh, this is hard. Um, and then you dive in and then you get into the flow and the water after about a minute or two, uh, no longer feels cold. You feel like mm. 
feel acclimated and you're just one with the water and you've got these amazing views and a harbor seal might pop, pop up, you know, near you or a, or a, or a sea lion might pop up. Um, and you just think, okay, there's some, here's some emotions to, to deal with and you just breathe and you're still with it. And, you know, and you usually live to tell about it. And so I do that. Um, and it's also communal. And I have to say, um, I feel really fortunate that, um, I have a physical outlet for self-care. So Mm -hmm. swimming in the Bay, I've got a, we call it a dolphin pod, a, a pod of us swim in the Bay together. So I saw these people, every, you know, sometimes every day during the pandemic in the heart of it. Um, And we would celebrate birthdays together and, you know, and bring cupcakes in. And, you know, it was very, very tight group of people, uh, which I really credit to a sort of a balanced existence during COVID. Um, Meditation. I try to meditate in the mornings, uh, right when I get up from like six to 6.30 for usually as much as a half an hour, sometimes less. And often I'll try to um, say today, this is, this is my mantra. I'll say today, may I be kind today. May I be focused today? May I be curious. And I, I just like those three things. That seems like a good way to live. Um, And then I try to run uh, I'd say two days a week at this point in my life. Um, I'd like to say I run more. Um, and then I also do online sangas now. Um, I, yeah, Mondays and Wednesdays, uh, spirit rock education or spirit rock retreat center has a great one. Um, and then I do a free one on Mondays as well. Uh, so yeah, those are, those are kind of my self-care how about that, you? Can I? That can sounds I, amazing. I know this interview is about me, but what's what one self care? One self care thing that I love to do is basically get out and see the sunset or mm. sunrise, preferably the sunset. <laughs> so I don't have to get up as early, but I just it just really sets like my evening, and it makes me you know it makes me at peace with myself, and just to be grateful to see the sunset and to just appreciate the little things like that. Right. Um, I really, I love things like that. And of course there are the other little things like just, you know, having, um, you know, the time to myself in the morning because things start to get noisy early in the morning. So for me, it's like getting up and having my quiet time to myself before, like all hell breaks loose with my family. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, thanks for asking. Sure. Well, I was just going to say, you, you sound like, you know, you're living your best life out there in San Francisco. So good for you. And I love that mantra. Uh, and my next question for you is, uh, my podcast is um, based on dismantling beliefs and systems and thought patterns, what ideas or concepts have dismantled your belief system? And what was that awakening like for you? Wow. Oh, gosh. You know, I I have to say, I'm really thankful that we're really, we're looking at the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm. um, Because I really want to be awake enough to notice when is it beneficial for me to be in a space? When is it not? When, when, 
when uh, should I step back and let other people step forward? Um, you know, I've thought about that a lot. I work in in schools uh, that are predominantly uh, black and Hispanic uh, kids, and um, and I started to worry, like, am I doing these kids harm by ha- being a white man showing up and, you know, kind of teaching them mm-hmm. anything, really? It didn't even matter what I was teaching. And um, and then I started talking to social workers there, and, um, and they said, you know, these kids, kids in general, I think, can always use more love in their lives. And I feel like I show up um, as my best self, trying to love these kids, trying to be with these kids, trying to listen to the kids. And I felt like if I just sort of disappeared on them halfway through their elementary school experience, all they would think is, it, oh, there goes just another adult, not quite available for me. Mm. Um, and I just didn't want to be one more cent source of trauma for them. Mm-hmm. So um, I felt, I feel like it's okay for me to be teaching in that space. And I'm just really careful about um, what I say and, and just my preconceived biases that might show up. You know, one thing I read that oftentimes uh, adults treat kids of color as adults, mm. which, I, which I never really thought about before. And I see that happening. And I actually, I'm grateful to say, you know, I, I probably do other things that I'm aware of and not aware of. Um, but that's one thing I don't do. I really cut kids slack. I'm like, you're, you know, you're having this big emotion, not because of anything I'm doing necessarily, but you're just having it. And I'm going to just be with you with that rather than try to fix it or get defensive or frustrated. I just, it's just not where I want to go. So, so I'd say that's, that's really um, what came up for me when you asked that question. Um, And then the other, the other mantra that's in my head a lot is let's not let perfect be the enemy of the good, Mm. because I know I'm not a perfect teacher, um, but I feel like I'm a pretty good teacher. And so I just have to trust that I'm going to get better with imperfect action. And, and that's how, you know, that's how you live a life and how you grow as a human being is to just get in the pool and try. And, you know, the idea that life can be a life without trauma is sort of an insane notion anyway, you know, I mean, you just said, you know, you've got, sounds like you have a loving family, but it, you know, you need a break from it, you know, and, and that's trauma right there. You know, it's just this constant source of stuff that you're barraged at and, you know, it's hard, (laughs) you know, life is hard sometimes, sometimes it's not, but to say, to wish it were anything else is compounding the trauma, I think. True. Um, and I say that with a lot of privilege. Um, so I just want to be, you know, careful about that too, that, you know, I know that, you know, uh, that life is harder for some kids than others. So, so that's why I want to, um, just love them and, you know, let them know I'm here for them. So my next question for you is what does prayer mean to you? Mm me, prayer is connecting with 
the conscious energy of the universe. Um, yeah. Um, which is, you know, different than mindfulness. Mindfulness is a science of the mind really. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, if I'm, you know, I'm feeling desperate or a friend is sick or something and I'll say, you know, I'll, I'll reach out to their loved ones or my loved ones. And I'll say, if there's anything you can do to help them through these waters, you know, please come, I invite you, come on in, come down. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, I, I think of energy as having a consciousness. Um, you know, my mom, like, like I mentioned, I think passed away and I had all sorts of signs from her that were really powerful. Um, you know, yeah, just very strange things that I, I won't go into, but, um, but, but quite a lot, like I could write, you know, a chapter on, on it. Uh, so many things just kind of were shocking to me how, how present she felt. Um, so, so that's what, that's what prayer means to me is just connecting to the energy of that, that is the universe really. Love it. What, what is your vision of well-being like? Hmm. I think, uh, equanimity comes to mind that, that, that feeling of, you know what, here comes a wave, but I'm just going to ride that wave, you know? Um, that would be what well-being is to me, not to feel always happy or, cause again, that's ridiculous thinking. Yeah. That's yeah. just not totally. life. Um, you know, it's sweet, you know, yes. I just want to be happy. Right. Uh, but that's not how it works. Right. You know? Life is full. Uh, John Kabat-Zinn says life is full of 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows, I think. So good. Yeah. And it's true. So, so just being able to ride the waves of life with some grace and ease mm. and, uh, and smarts. Beautifully said. So my last question for you is if there was one thing you wanted the listeners to take away from our conversation today, what would it be? Gosh, you know, this is going to sound so simple and it, and it is, but it's not easy is just try to take slow, deep breaths in through your nose throughout the day. Mm. It could be in your car. It could be while you're sitting with a friend having lunch or uh, listening to your partner talk about their day, wiggle your toes, just really connect with the moment. Because I find that if we're, if we're say that we're so stressed, it's because we're living in the past and in the future. Usually if we're having a conversation and we're saying to someone we're so stressed, it's just that we're not present right. <laughs> because right in that moment, you're sitting at a cafe having, you know, a mimosa or whatever it is. I don't know. Exactly. Don't, and you're like, distracted. Right. Right. But in that moment, you're lucky enough to be at a cafe. So, so try to try to learn how to distinguish the present, the past and the future which is what mindfulness is. So um, lean into a mindfulness practice, five minutes a day, breath work, simple breath work is enough to start you on the path to waking up 
waking up enough to make smarter choices. Perfect. And I'll leave it at that. Well, this has been a truly amazing conversation. Thank you so much, Andrew, for joining me. Um, But before I let you go, I'd love for the audience to just find where they can reach out to you, especially if they have any questions and want to maybe partake in any one of your programs. Okay, great. Yeah, we're always looking for volunteers in San Francisco. Uh, You go into the classroom like 20 to 30 minutes uh, once a week. So my... um, email is Andrew J initial Nance, N-A-N-C-E dot com. Or you can just go to mindful arts, San Francisco um, dot com or mi- mindful arts SF uh, dot org. Sorry, mindful arts SF dot org. And you can get more information there. Perfect. I'll be sure to include all of that in the show notes. Andrew, thank you so much for all you do for especially helping children, you know, utilize tools to improve their mental health and learn more about mindfulness. This has been an amazing conversation. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. You know, it's these mindset shifts that truly make a difference. If you like this podcast, share it with someone and be sure to leave a review. Till next time, here's to dismantling you.